Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Charity Stripe on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. All right, we're back once again. It's the Charity Stripe. We got a special guest on the show. It's the baseball offseason, but baseball never stops, especially for us fans. I'm 1090, the ESPN, the mightier. We love, love, love baseball. Can't get enough of it. We got Kyle Muller joining the boys. Uh, brave system. Got some great run in the big leagues last year. We're hoping for a big season out of him. And not just because he's on our show right now, but because at one point he was a Texas Longhorn. And once a Longhorn, always a Longhorn. So, Kyle, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you, brother. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, you spent some good time with the Braves. Uh, obviously, you're in your si- this system. Crazy turn of events. This was a team, a lot of us, to be quite frank, once Acuna goes down, we're all like, all right, they're left for dead. I'm right. saying, you know, pull the plug. I'm a Sox fan. I know I have a Braves hat on now, but true, my true colors <laughs> are Boston fan. And I'm like, all right, we're going to get Freddie Freeman. Like, I, you know, he's a free agent. Like, it's this is these are the moves that are going to be made at the deadline. What was something that maybe you saw when you were up there this summer? in the locker room that many of us didn't see when the cameras weren't on that showed you that this was a team that could not only contend, but ultimately win the world series. Well, we've known it for a bunch of years, just the depth we've had in the system. Um, Mm. And last year was, I think the perfect time for all of that to kind of show. Cause in my draft, we had me, Ian Anderson, uh, Tucker Davidson, um, and then the year before, it was Austin Riley, Soroka. They got Tukey from that draft. Um, so a lot of the younger guys were, you know, making their appearances in the big leagues and helping the team. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that, you know, once, you know, some guys went down, like we had the depth to just keep rolling. You yeah. know, it was just kind of next guy up. And um, I think with the opportunities given to everybody, they made the most of them. And then once you get – you make some big trade moves – to get like a whole new outfield and uh and they came in hot too so i mean it was it was like the perfect storm it's the craziest thing i mean first of all you have solaire who literally hits the ball to another planet uh yeah. you have rosario who they're just going to build statues in, in the, from the sand to the stadium in atlanta. <laughs> in, in atlanta one and of then, the clutchest players i've ever seen it's crazy and then duval who like Adam Duvall just across. I mean, I know you're a, probably a diehard baseball fan like the rest of us. Our whole lives, I feel like Adam Duvall has never got the respect he deserves. Is that a fair Zero. statement? One hundred percent. He's he's incredibly underrated. Uh, I mean, he was an All Star. He was in the home run derby back in San Diego. Yeah, he wasn't with San Diego, but I think that was with Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Giancarlo won it that year when he just went off. Yeah, and I'm I'm like, he always hits. He always hits. You know, he was the RBI leader all year this year. Um, you know, and we didn't sign him back after last year and then we ended up trading for him, uh, yeah. you know, in the middle of the season after he was just, te- he was tearing us up to the first half. Yeah. Um, so it was nice to have him back on our team, but dude, awesome, awesome guy, great clubhouse guy. Um, and just goes about his business and, and crushes baseballs. Yeah, no, he, he's demolished them and it's crazy. He was leading the league in RBIs and, and, you know, 
Actually, I don't mind saying this because we do. Just so you know, one of our rivals is the Miami Marlins. Our show in the Marlins. Okay. We've got we've got into we've got into Twitter battles with them, <laughs> and like he was doing this on the Marlins. And I know yeah. they're a team that's on the up, but like they're on the lower part of the up. So mm-hmm. the fact that he was putting in that work and getting in those numbers is crazy and just the ultimate right. clutch factor. I want to talk though. I mean, you're 24. You pitched well when you were up in the bigs. And a guy like Austin Riley, who is another player, he had a couple seasons, didn't go exactly how people thought they would go. And then we kind of wrote him off. And then this year he just explodes. Can right. you talk about like, you know, the maturation period, but also how important it is to kind of give guys time and like let them season and get used to the whole, the whole show. For sure. I mean, I know when Austin got called up, he was unbelievable. He was like the best player in the national league for like a month or two. And then, you know, once you get the scouting reports on guys that, you know, these veteran players kind of start to figure it out. Um, but that, there's a huge learning curve and, you know, maybe not physically, but it's more of a mental learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, knowing how people are going to approach you, like, yeah, you can do really, really well the first time you see everybody, but then when you see them again, they've got your scouting report now. So you got to learn how to like deal with all that. And at the same time, you're playing in front of 40,000 people, you're playing on TV. So like, there's a lot of like other things, you know, that you don't really think about, like, you got fans that, you know, you have a bad game. It's like the end of the world. And, you know, you have a good game. You're the greatest player ever. So the highs and lows of that and learning how to navigate that, I think, for, especially for me, was the the biggest learning point this past year. And, I mean, in terms of the, the maturation period, I mean, physically, a lot of people in the minor leagues could pitch or hit in the big leagues right now. It's just being able to ride those highs and lows and stay consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we see it like with a guy like Otani, right? Who kind of struggled the first time he came to the bigs. You know, I mean, he was still hitting the cover off the ball, but then he comes back and wins the MVP and right. is just doing ridiculous things that no one's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm sure a lot of that was, I mean, it was different playing in America. You, you're, you're, everyone's eyes are on you. So I'm sure he added a lot of pressure to himself. And then once he realized he was unbelievable at pitching and hitting, he was just let his talent show. And then now he's the MVP. Yeah. That'll be it's- tough. If if he gets if he gets considered you know for pitching and hitting for the rest of his career it'll be tough for anybody else to win. No, it's, yeah, it's like it's the first of all. I mean, I can't imagine the pressure. I mean, you're a second round pick. Pressure, guys who are first round picks. There's, I mean, there's money attached to it. It's not like you know, and you're out of high school too. Like you, you skipped and we'll get into that. But like you, you jumped right to the bigs. So there's a lot of pressure there. And for Otani, it's you bring it up. He's coming to America, so he's not pitching in Japan anymore. He doesn't speak the language. And people are like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're the next Babe Ruth. It's not even right. like you're the next, like, you know. The like, expectations are all the way up here. Yeah, you're not and like. Somehow no, he exceeded those expectations, which is just unbelievable. Crazy. I mean, yeah, it's I, crazy. I mean, those kind of comparisons that they make, you know, like saying Otani is kind of like the Babe Ruth. You kind of only see that kind of stuff in basketball. Right. Where they're telling guys like, oh, this is the next LeBron. This is the next MJ. Right. And of course, you got Bronny Jr. who's going to come up and there's going to be a tremendous amount of expectations for him. So in baseball, I mean, I feel like there's just so many guys that it's kind of hard to compare someone to Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle or or Ken Griffey Jr. Right. You got to like the proof is in the pudding. You got to show yourself first. And the fact that Otani was able to do that in the first two seasons of his career is absurd. Unbelievable. Yeah. No, absolutely incredible. And you know that if, you know, he wins, he wins an MVP if he keeps pitching for the next three years. By the time we get to like year three, everyone's doing what they did to LeBron in basketball, where it's like 
we can't continue to give this guy the MVP. We got to give it to other people. And it's like, no, the feat is still the same feat. Like don't undervalue it just because we've seen it before. We've literally only seen it one other time where it was to this caliber. So give him the due credit that he deserves. Right. 100%. 100%. Did you and ever, I think, Mike, I think Mike Trout's kind of the same way. Yeah. You know, for sure. He's year in, year out. Just, just unbelievable. And it's like, you can't just give it to him all the time. Mm-hmm. But what, you had, what were you, you saying? Yeah, I was saying you, you hit in high school. I mean, you're the, mm-hmm. you're the gate. I mean, yeah, it's the, which is an understatement. You're the Gatorade player of the year, uh, which is pretty nuts. Um, but you played both sides of the plate. Was that ever an option for you to try to pursue both sides? Maybe if you're going to Texas. Yeah, that's what that's one of the reasons I committed there for sure. That was a that was a big you know deciding factor, and um, I I felt like I had the best opportunity to play you know outfield and pitch, um, which is funny because my 2017 season in uh, pro ball was just terrible. I mean, it was <laughs> it was it was absolutely abysmal. And so if I pitched like that at Texas, I probably would just be an outfielder right now. Wow. That's because yeah, there's, there's no way they would have put me on the mound. Why do you, why do you think that happened then? And like you go from like not having a great 2017 to being in the bigs in 2021, like how do you get from point A to point B, so to speak? A lot of it is uh, you just kind of finding out your routines, like what works for you. And for me after that 2016 season, uh, that, like I had my high school year and then I had that little GCL, like short season stint. Yeah. Um, but I, ha- I had to like, that was my first off season. So I didn't really know how to like program anything. I didn't know how, like how to ramp up to get ready for spring training. Cause everything was so new. And so, um, I was trying to fix everything at the same time. Hmm. And then it honestly made everything worse. And so I wasn't really practicing throwing hard. I, my mechanics were all messed up. So I show up and it was just like terrible. Like it was not good. Um, and so then went to extended spring training, all that. And then going into 2018, that was, I went to like driveline. I, I'm sure y'all baseball fans, y'all probably seen some of this. Sure. Yeah. And um, it was just learning how to like be athletic and be explosive and, and get in good positions. Um, but without like thinking about where your hand is, it was just like you would do the drills and your body would just do it itself. And that unlocked like a huge, you know, part of the, I mean, that was like the turning point I'd say in my career. Cause if I, if I didn't do that, I don't know where I'd be mm-hmm. right yeah. now. You know? I mean, I think we've come so far just in terms of technology and just like baseball yeah. analytics and all of the tools that guys have as resources to, to better their game. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what that transition is like from being a high schooler to getting basically all of these resources, you know, kind of thrown at you early on in your yeah. career. So it was, uh, it was interesting cause I was kind of in pro ball as those things were coming out, you know, cause my senior year of high school, we, we didn't have anything like that. We didn't use slow motion cameras or rap sodas or anything. And then it was probably like a year into pro ball two years or something. I, I figured out what a rap soda was um, and started kind of dabbling with that stuff. Cause it's, it's one of those things like you kind of adapt or die. Like it's so mainstream now that if you don't know yeah. the information you're behind mm-hmm. um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a pitch design expert, so I'm not going to be able to like make everybody's pitches better, but I understand what my need to be doing. And those numbers help you. Like if you throw a bullpen, you're like, okay, you know, my vertical break was down three inches. Like I need to stay through the ball better and it, it'll ride more. That'll, that'll miss a bat, 
you know, versus getting foul balls or getting fly balls. That it's is like crazy. Nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> that stuff. is so nuts. And, and you almost like wonder, like, what what do guys like Nolan Ryan or like Roger Clemens That's who didn't what I was make thinking, all of like 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 Granny Johnson, those guys who didn't have those resources, like, yeah. would it make them better or would they would that overcomplicate their game? You know. That's 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 a tough question to uh to answer. I mean, I think it would uh I think it might make them better, but at the same time, knowing like they just have stuff and there was nothing else to think about, like you're not throwing a bullpen thinking about where your spin axis is. It's like that came out of my hand good, like that's all I need to know. So you're not wor- you're worrying about a lot less. Right. But I definitely think it shortens the learning curve if you're trying to learn a new pitch. You know, Ooh. so if you want to have a good curveball, you know, like, okay. I need to get my finger more in front of it and you can like visually see it that yeah. that'll, that'll turn that year of learning a curveball to two months. Definitely. Wow. Definitely. Well, yeah, you've definitely, definitely come a long way since, since low ball, you you're definitely considered a rookie this next season, right? Still. Yep. Still. So what are your goals and, and aspirations for this coming season? Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the goals I have are kind of things that, you know, I, I, I want to make goals. Like, obviously I want to win rookie of the year, but you know, that's not my control. I can just control how, you know, how well I play. Right. Um, but just get more consistent, um, deal with, you know, the mental side of the game a little bit better. Um, mm. that was kind of the biggest shock to me last year. Like physically, I know I can compete up there and get people out. Um, but you know, dealing with that part of it and just, uh, you know, I, I guess the knock on me is that my control isn't very good. So, I mean, I've, I've got, you know, I just prove all those people that think I can't throw the ball over the plate wrong, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it just is really crazy how, you know, we're thinking about where the game's gone and, and now, you know, heading into your rookie year, uh, all this in, what, what are the conversations you're having with maybe guys like Soroka and Anderson who have been up there a little longer uh, to help you get adjusted? Um. You know, it was, it was talking to Ian, um, you know, he, he's been good because like we, we've been friends before. So I could ask him all the little, the small questions about like, Hey, you know, on, on travel trips, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, where am I supposed to be? Cause you know, you don't want to step on anybody's toes. So you're kind of like looking out for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but like little things like that, but in terms of pitching, I did this, I was doing the same thing I was doing in, you know, in the minor leagues. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to throw the ball right down the middle. I'm not trying to pinch corners. I'm just trying to stuff people and then beat them on movement. You know, I'm yeah. not trying to overcomplicate anything. So, I mean, it, it's crazy. It's honestly, I don't want to say it's easier to pitch, but it, it might be a little bit just because the hitters are so advanced that their approach, you know, like they're spitting on, you know, OO curveballs. Whereas you throw in low A or double A, like kids will swing at those. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, you know, that that's a free strike because their yeah. approach is so, you know, so refined. It's a more predictable. They'll, yeah. They'll, they'll take a, they'll take a fastball right down the middle with two strikes because they were looking off speed and they're like, I'll get them next time. You know, they're sticking to their approach and looking for that one. Right. Pitch. Yeah. I think as fans who don't really understand the game that much, sometimes they'll look at a guy who, who just takes one right down, right down the pipe. And, uh, they're like, why, why don't you swing at that? And they're just right. not guessing. I mean, you're, they're guessing something else, and they're not. You honestly have to because everybody exactly. throws a hundred right now. Exactly. You know, with just nasty breaking stuff, so you can't try and hit everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to you got to pick a pitch and wait for a mistake, and then and then that's what why they're so good is that they'll hit those mistakes. 
it's crazy like this how much of a student of the game you have to be like back in the day mickey mantle rolls up to the ballpark smoking a cig slug a whiskey in the seventh inning and and, yeah. and, now, and now you're sitting here and like you really have to know what guys throw and like you know it's we watch you watch i really learned from mookie Betts, like just watching him every inning of every game so close like a hawk i mean if it was up to him he'd still be doing his batting gloves in the first pitch like he's taking that he's taking it all the time and, and certain guys that just really stick to their approach and get in their rhythm it's crazy right yeah no i mean that's that's part of the thing is you know a routine makes you comfortable so mm-hmm. keeping that same routine it keeps you in a good headspace and it keeps you consistent um and this, i guess the superstitions about like the batting glove stuff and all that is is more more intense in baseball but um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy how much information we have and like how much of it you can use, but it's all, it can also hurt you at the same time, you know, like analysis uh, or paralysis by analysis. You know, if you look at it too much, you know, you're not going it, to, it's going to be overwhelming. I, I almost feel like the cross sport comparison for an at bat is basically like in basketball going to the free throw line every single time, like where there's so many different, like a lot of it's just, your mechanics have to be right, but your mind has to be right too. And a lot of times, you know, right. the guy dealing with his, his gloves or, you know, he deals with his, his elbow pad, whatever it is, it's, it's helping him get the mental focus there. And right. I, I mean, we've seen great shooters in basketball be terrible free throw shooters, right. And guys, yeah. guys that are great hitters have massive slumps where, you know, 30 games go by and they, and they can't hit anything. I, right. Something that I've been, uh, been curious about is, just the distinction in the locker room between guys like you who, you know, forego college, go straight to the pros versus guys who go into college. And I think this is something probably like, you know, curiosity around plate discipline and, and hitters and, and what they see as soon as they come out of high school, as opposed to, you know, going in college, going to a big school like Texas guy like Dansby mm-hmm. going to going to Vanderbilt. Um, once you get to the bigs, are there conversations that guys have where, the two types of players become distinctive or is it once you get into that MLB dugout, like it's the, it's the same and, and you forget about that. Uh, I I'd say it's pretty much the same. You, you, you don't really know anybody's background where anybody's from. I mean, yeah. obviously like, you know, like if they're your friends, you know where they're from, but like in terms of, you know, advanced level of, you know, either hitting in college or hitting in high school, you learn those things that you'd learn in college and pro ball. You know, I would honestly, so say you maybe learn a little bit more it might be a little bit more refined approach because like in a weird way once you get drafted until you get to the big league is big leagues it's about development it's not necessarily about winning you know so if you got a guy on second with nobody out you're not going to bunt him over in pro ball you know you're going to try and hit something over the fence or in the gap and get an rbi because that looks better for you right. you know it's it, it's it, it's a little bit more selfish but then once you get to the big leagues like winning all winnings all that matters which is more similar to what it is in in college yeah it's all about yeah. getting that natty in college but going the, to Omaha. right there there could be like the counterpoint where it's like you go into texas gatorade player of the year you are kind of going in there to be the guy a little bit right like you're going in there to make an immediate impact where as opposed to right. you working on yourself as an individual not focusing on winning and kind of changing the mindset i think it's 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 why it's such an interesting decision and, and every guy right. has their own journey to the league. And obviously there's a million different ways to get there, but it's pretty fascinating. Were you, uh, yeah. were you kind of half and half on making your decision or was it like, I'm getting drafted, I'm going. Um, 
to be completely honest, that was playing professional baseball was always my dream. You know, mm-hmm. so like if I could do that at 18, that was going to be my decision. It, I mean, there were other factors, you know, going into it. Like obviously, like where I got drafted, I was, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to have a a, a pretty easy decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, it's definitely tough. And then for just for me, like from like I was talking about from a development standpoint, I figured that I, I would get better development playing professional baseball, you know, than, than going to school because I knew that going into it, like I just was just saying, like, once you get drafted, you kind of play, it's weird. You play for the name on the back of your Jersey, not the front. Mm-hmm. And it sounds bad, you know, cause baseball is obviously a team sport, but you know, that, that was kind of my focus. I was like, my dreams to be a, a major league pitcher, not necessarily to win a college national championship. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that would, that was the, the easiest or the, most direct route to achieving that goal was going to play pro ball. So, I mean, that was, that was my inclination, you know, pretty much the whole time. It's bizarre. It's crazy because in college football and college, college basketball, I mean, now they're like, they're changing it around a little bit and there's a lot of loopholes, but college football, you have to go. You play like three years. You don't have a choice. Well, yeah. Now it's awesome. You get paid for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can transfer whenever you want it. Oh, uh, yeah. It, out there. It's a free-for-all. We talk about it on yeah. the Texas show. It's like you no know, holds barred. It's like, where can I get the most money? You, who's going to pay me to have a mullet type deal? You can um, argue yeah. that guys in college, in college football at least, in college basketball, have it better than minor league baseball players. 100%. And then you think about it. Once football players and basketball players get drafted, they go straight to the league. So that's what I was getting at. You know, so like that, that's in that even still with baseball, you go to college for a couple of years. I mean, there's a, there's a, a few rare cases where you go straight to the, you know, straight to the big leagues. You know, I think Brandon Finnegan, he pitched in like the college world series and then the and world the series Royals. The same yeah. Year. It's crazy. Yeah. So like there's some, there's some things like that that happen, but um, I mean, that's, that's incredibly rare. You can't bank on that, but, mm. and, and so even still you go to college, then you're in pro ball for a couple of years. So you can't figure it out you know, you have a bad season, you go into pro ball a little bit older, you know? So like they, they have this big, like age thing, you know, they, 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 they baseball years, you're old when you're actually still young. Yeah. And, and it's because of the analytics, you know? So like, um, for me, I was like, I have the most, like more time to figure it out. I'm going to, I'm going to take that route. Right. Well, the good thing is, I mean, you're 24, which in our eyes is old or young, sorry. But you go, look, you look at a guy, you look at a guy like DeGrom, right? Who comes up later, 26, 27 okay, years yeah, old. Yeah. And now he's one of the most dominant pitchers we've ever seen. Yeah, he's, exactly. the best pitcher I've ever, he's the best pitcher I've ever seen. And, you know, 100%. David Ortiz gets into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he didn't get to Boston until he was 27. He was in, right. he was in Minnesota, you know, and people forget about that. Uh, you know, the Hall of Fame is crazy. Nick, I'll let you take this one because you have a lot of crazy viewpoints on the Hall of Fame and we'd love to get your, your takes on it, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's nice to, to ask other baseball fans, players, you know, anyone involved, involved in the game, you know, what their opinions are on what just happened in the Hall of Fame. I mean, we're leaving off two of the greatest baseball players of all time. The yes, best I baseball mean, player of all time. Exactly. Exactly. So I could already tell how you feel about this, but I mean, it's just, it sucks that old writers kind of control the destiny of these players that, you know, unfortunately made mistakes, but if they're going to tie steroids into Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, you got to do the same thing for David Ortiz, who they just voted in. Right. 
And that, I mean, it'd be different if it was like, what is it? What was the the case? It was like 2003 when they came out and was like, no more steroids. Is that That's when they started testing or whatever. But yeah. anything before that's fair game. You know, there was no rule against it. I mean, federally, I think steroids were illegal, but like baseball had never declared that you can't take steroids. And like, I saw something that was like base, like the Hall of Fame is something that celebrates the entire game of baseball from its, you know, beginning to where it is now. And like, you're telling me you're going to leave out a seven time MVP winner? <laughs> Not know, even all star, seven time MVP. <laughs> MVP, a seven time all star. Might, probably will get in but a seven-time mvp it's just it, it's baffling to me and then roger clemens won seven cy youngs is that yeah, what it was it was, it was something stupid it's like yeah they took steroids but that's what everybody did at the time and there's probably a significant amount of players already in the hall of fame that took steroids as well right so i mean you got everybody... yeah you got guys like baines and pudge and who you know a lot of people have suspicions they just never were it was never found out to be completely true right yeah right and, and so barry never tested hall... positive either that's what I'm saying. And but so if everybody, you know, if the Hall of Fame was squeaky clean, like everybody knew that, then I understand it. But since it's already kind of tainted in what in, in ways like that, like well, keep, my, that just and you shouldn't even put an asterisk by it. It shouldn't be like, oh, steroid era. That was just a part of baseball. You're celebrating yeah. baseball's history and baseball's best players. Hundred percent. Everybody else took steroids at the same time Barry Bonds did. He's still better than everybody else. Yeah, it, it's kind of like it's kind of also like, this is just like a cross board comparison, but like you look at the NCAA that has given sanctions to players. They stripped Reggie Bush of a, of a Heisman and now they're paying players millions of dollars and they still won't give him his Heisman. It's like, that is the dumbest thing. They have OJ Simpson's Jersey retired at the Coliseum who didn't kill somebody, I guess. And then you got Reggie Bush who can't get his Jersey, get, get number five retired best college football player, maybe of at least our, the four of our lifetimes. And then yeah, you know, it's so corrupt. It's ridiculous. I'm converted, by the way. I don't know if this is like a whole new year for what? me where like I'm now a vegetarian, but I'm now Nick and I, we've been doing this podcast for God knows how long. And Nick and yes. I have been on opposite ends of the spectrum. Always. I used to be an anti steroid guy. Get in. And I don't know if this is like poppy getting in or whatnot, but I flipped the script. Well, it's a lot like, of it. Sorry to cut you off, but a lot of it is just like, I hate the fact that it just, it, it stems from these writers and some of these guys just throw away their ballots. Oh, like there, there, there's a guy for 10 straight years, like who literally just throws Jeff Kent on, on his only vote. And there's other players yeah, who should, are better than his, Jeff his Kent. right. His right to vote should be taken away. Exactly. There's another guy who hasn't voted in like five years. He just sends it an empty too. ballot. It's just, it's ridiculous. Like what are the, what are those guys done? Exactly. You know I mean, like, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound harsh or mean or anything, but it's like, I think, other players should be or Hall of Fame players should be voting on who else is in the Hall of Fame because they played against him. You know, Greg Maddox is one of the best pitchers ever to, you know, ever to live. And he was talking about pitching to Barry Bonds and he's like, you just don't pitch to him. You know, that's, yeah, the, the man guy intentionally you know, walked with the bases loaded. <laughs> like that, that's what I'm saying. And these are the other best players in the world. And, and so like, those are the people like that. That's the, mo that's the baddest man on the planet. You're not even going to pitch to him and let him walk, just walk in a run. Like well, you're, it's a joke. Look, here we are like animated talkingly talking about it because we care. Right. And you're just going to throw away your vote. Like, how is there not a system in place where if you don't vote, you're out? Oh, yeah. Put it's, someone else in who actually yeah. cares about the sport and 100%. wants to do it justice. Yeah. 
right. you know, K- Kenny Lofted also got shafted when he was on the ballot his first time because there's like this weird threshold where you have to like have a certain percentage of votes on your first time on the ballot or you're canned, right? Mm-hmm. And his first time on the ballot was with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, and they happened to get more votes than him. They take took away votes, and Kenny Lofton's left off the ballot now. Who you know maybe maybe he gets in if he gets a couple more cracks at it. But it's a really flawed system. But on this podcast and and just like in general, we have discussions all the time about how baseball can change, how it can grow, how it can get to younger audiences. I mean, it's they I, do I a feel like job of that exactly. I mean, out of all the leagues. It, it is by far the farthest behind. What, yeah. what do you think are some ways to kind of make the league more fun, more appealing to audiences, maybe swag it up? I don't, I don't know. Do you have any perspective on that? So they tried, um, and I don't want to just you know be on here talking trash about the whole, no, of all course. the systems. No, no, you know well, I mean? we, like, we love it, dude. This is like our yeah. – This is, we were passionate about it, about like I'm passionate about Manny being in the Hall of Fame now. Like we're passionate about the sport more <laughs> than anything. Like we'll watch yeah. every game. It's like – you know, tooth and nail. So it's, it comes in yeah. good heart. In terms of making the, the league more fun, they tried that, you know, with the whole bat flip thing. Like they were like, yeah, show your emotion. Like when Tim Anderson threw his bat, like MLB posted it, they were like, oh, this is so cool. And then they find him. You know what I mean? It's like, let's, let's pick one or the other. You can't have both. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just like, whenever people do show emotion, like I, I saw, um, I think it was Nick Cassianos. He slid. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And like squared. Like that's a badass play. Like what? You know? I mean, I, yeah, I can understand. Like he got got in the guy's face a little bit, but like that, people are playing this game for their livelihood. Like obviously, it's exciting. Like it's it's not bad to show emotion and like trying to wipe emotion out of the game. That needs to change. And it's we're in this weird like phase of like people from you know back in the day who were like all about you know class and it's. It, almost like it's a gentleman's game, yeah. you know, like you, the unwritten rules and stuff. And then you got the new wave of people who are trying to like show motion, have flash. And those are the exciting players like Acuna, Tatis, like all of those guys. That's exciting. That's what people want to see. But then you find them when they show their emotions. Yeah. So I, I, I don't agree with that. But then another thing is like media wise, I think MLB has like a monopoly on all of the media, you know? So like when LeBron James dunks a basketball, you see that on every Twitter account, Instagram account, everywhere. Everyone can post it. But then, you know, Mike Trout hits a 500-foot home run. You only see that on MLB-sponsored accounts. You know, so that's that's slowing the growth of the game because now people will get copyrighted if they post their video that's not theirs. Like, I know the – do you know Pitching Ninja? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A couple years ago – or maybe, I don't know when it was, but – like his account got suspended because he was posting those like little gifs, gifs. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody says something different. It's I'm, 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 gyro, 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 hero. It's the same thing. Yeah, we got yeah. you. So, but he was posting all those, and MLB <laughs> like got his account suspended because he didn't have permission to post that content. I'm like, he's he's spreading the game more than than they are, and you know, and, and you're gonna take him off the internet. What is what good does that do? Yeah, I mean, there's there's high school basketballers who have over a million followers on Instagram and Twitter. You know, like right. they're bringing people when they get to college, people are watching. When they go from college to the pros, people are watching. Like more people are right. watching than before. That's it's part of the growth structure, and it needs to be more implemented. But part of that is you have to open it up to everyone, right? To get everyone yep. talking about baseball, not just the MLB. Mm-hmm. 
And one thing that's tough, though, is, like, basketball, your favorite player plays every night. You know, baseball, if, like, you're a pitcher, you pitch every, you know, every five days. You know, so, like, you can't – I guess you can't pump that. And there's so many games, too. It's like, oh, I missed that one. I'll get the next one. Mm-hmm. So, it's like – especially football. Like, football, you got 16 games or – what is it, 17 games? Yeah. So like I, it's like every weekend there's one game for that team, mm-hmm. you know? So, I think that that's what draws more more people to it because it's more of an event rather than it's, like, oversaturated with the amount of baseball games. Mm-hmm. And you're not always going to get to see your favorite player play. Yeah. I mean, unless he's unless he's a position player, which which you can, but he doesn't hit every inning. You know, right. he hits four times a game. So I can see the and there's so many players. You know, you got bullpen guys, you got bench players, and you got 30 teams of nine guys on the field. It's like there's a lot more than just an 11 man NBA roster. Yeah, because yeah. even the even the the 11th man is probably has more followers than most of the major league baseball players. Yeah. Yes, you know, on social media, but Scalabrini. Yeah, I mean, I it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, Scalabrini was the eleventh man on the Celtics. I mean, we all know and love him. <laughs> Everyone knows who he is. Yeah, exactly. You know what? I, I I really think we ended on a high note, and it's I think it's because the y'all in the way that Rosario homered and Soler homered and Matt like talk about the bullpen guys like the way Matt's came in and the energy he showed was like dude's awesome. I literally have like goosebumps and like, you know, we have a lot of Atlanta friends because there's like a weird like, you know, the Texas and Atlanta crew are really tight and like yeah. at least in our, our immediate circles. So we just kind of have a good love for the Braves and, you know, the dogs and when it in sports, when it rains, it pours like, you know, these teams right. win. But the thing is, is like the different guy. And that's the beauty of postseason baseball, that the unsung heroes a lot of the times come to life. And the 11th man, quote unquote, on the bench, like in the Lakers, that the beauty of baseball is. In the NBA, Scalabrini's not never going to be a hero in the NBA Finals. Ever. No. It's not going to happen. It's just it, logistically, like, he's not seeing the court in the fourth quarter unless they're down by yeah. 50. <laughs> right. So everybody else hurt. Yeah, and so, like, having a guy like Rosario Soler or, like, Stephen Pierce was, like, the World Series MVP in 2018, and it's like, what? You know? Yeah. So, like, that is a beautiful part of the game. I think the Braves did that exceptionally well this season. Right. Right, and everybody else was rooting against the Astros too, so that helped. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, God, yeah. There is, you know, it's. I hate, I hate the Astros. My friend, I, we have a lot of obviously. I'm sure you have buddies who are huge Astros fans. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just growing up in Dallas. I bet my, I'm a Sox fan, obviously, like I said, and I bet my buddy a reverse dinner on the Sox Astros uh, playoff matchup, which is like you have to eat like a, go to like a nice restaurant with when you're with you when you're when you're with your friends and do cake, steak, salad in that order. So I unfortunately, <laughs> it's a ridiculous bet. I don't. I never heard of that before. That's yeah, funny. yeah. It's a good one. We don't do money, but that was like the bet I lost. But I'm glad that the Braves ended up upending them and beating them. Uh, we got a cup more yeah. for you, brother. Before we let yeah. you rock and roll, uh, we love doing quick hitters, and then we always ask the same question uh, at the end. So Nick, you want to hit him with some quick hitters? Uh, yeah, just give me a second to pull that up. Really, to quick. pull them up. We were so in the sauce. Well, yeah. Just well, so in it. well, Nick, while you're pulling that up. Uh, you know, Kyle, you, you grew up in Dallas. Uh, you went to Dallas Jesuit. There's a guy in the bigs right now. Josh Bell plays for the Nats. Yep. Did, did you get a chance to face him this last year? I couldn't dig it up and, and figure I it did. out. Nice. I, did. We, I faced him in Atlanta. I think, uh, he grounded it out once and then I walked him the next time, but that, that was, that was super cool. Cause I remember being a senior and like thinking he was, you know, the, the coolest person ever. Like I, I was number 
or 19 because of him in high school. And uh, just for everything to kind of come full circle to play each other in the big leagues, that was that was really cool. And plus our high school coaches were there for that game too. Oh, so I can awesome. only imagine what they felt. Maybe a little old, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was I mean, really I mean, cool. do you, I, I'm sure like, you know, I, we're just a little bit older than you, but I remember being probably like maybe like a freshman when he was a senior and like he was the talk of Dallas. Like he was, they were like, go watch this guy hit home runs out of this Man. ballpark. Like, yeah. 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 Have you seen the video of him hitting a home run in high school at uh, Rangers ballpark? Yes. Yeah. Dude, I, I pro- I'm probably half of those views. <laughs> that was back Don't let him hear you like hear that. BESR bats. They were probably like the beat those the BESR bats, you know, the ones that just made the super loud ding. Yeah. yeah. Crush that ball. I would just watch the swing. Oh, I would keep like replaying it, watching the swing and swing. It was awesome. So ever, yeah, the pitch against him was really cool. Do you have a relationship with him? Do you guys like keep up or anything? Or? Um we not too much. Um it's kind of one of those things when you see each other, we'll talk. Um, nice. but I, I'm not sure where he's living. I don't know if he's still in Dallas or if he's in, uh, I want to say he might've been in California for a little bit, mm-hmm. but I mean, when I see him, I'll talk to him, but other than that, not nothing, nothing too crazy. As long as he's not in Pittsburgh, that's like the, that's the real win. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. That's a, did you guys, before we get into the, the quick hitters, Nick, cause you played, you played high school basketball, right? Freshman year. Oh, so would you, you gotta, all? You gotta, you gotta pick a sport at Jesuit. They make you pick. Then you well, might have so for the most was, for the most part, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind you of. So, I then. mean, I could I could have played all three. It's just I kind of figured out that my you know my future was going to be in baseball. So I mm-hmm. you know started putting more focus towards that. If I could have, I would have played um, all, all three the whole time. I mean, just yeah. Like if, if everything would have turned out the way it did, I would have played all three the whole time, no doubt. I only asked because I was wondering, Toss, if you played against him. That was well, like no, but question. but to clarify, like my I went to for any of the listeners that don't know, I went to another all boys private school in Dallas. My school, a lot of like the selling point, because I went to a different middle school and I was between Jesuit and, and my school, St. Mark's. And one of the big selling points for St. Mark's was you get to you get to play all three seasons of sports. And in Jesuit, you kind of have to pick a sport. But if you're good enough, this is Josh just for you and Nick, if you're good enough, like Kyle is alluding to the fact that he was, you can play multiple <laughs> sports. So if anyone wants to know what kind of athlete Kyle is, he's a fantastic athlete. <laughs> we had a guy, uh, Jeff Schottmer. He played all. Three. Yeah. He was really North, North Carolina. Three. Didn't he play football there? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, he, I mean, he, he did all three, all three or all four years and I was great at all of them. So yeah. The grind. Did he, though. Did, he was, did he play with uh, Trubisky? He might have. I think. I think so. It was either the very end of his time there, or I don't know. I think. I think they did play together though. Yeah, that's if I crazy. Money on it, I'd probably say yes. Texas, Texas sports, baby. I, in New York, I'm from New York. Just so you know, Kyle, and for any listeners that don't know this, our high school had a great. We won states my junior year. Our high school team. Oh, won. nice. I was in the stands. Don't get it twisted. And <laughs> the, <laughs> but the, but our starting third baseman finished. We also had a great performing arts high school. Our starting third baseman finished twelfth in American Idol. How nuts is that? Really? Yeah, he didn't go that's play. Actually like very, about that's Deuce very, or athlete. very impressive. Yeah, super impressive. It's kind of wild. Was he uh, singing? I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. He's good. He's a good singer. He's really good at piano too. So. He, oh, I mean, that's a lethal combo. Yeah, third base, the, the corner, the pipes, and the keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, uh, all right, quick hitters. Let's get after it. Okay, so uh, let's start with maybe the toughest guy you faced uh, so far in your career throughout the pros and minors. Um, I'll go with I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Joey Votto. That's a good one. Left on yeah, left, I, I got him. The, so the first time I pitched against him, I got him. I, I punched him out twice, but then the next time I tried to do the same thing I did the first time, and he just kept fouling it off. And like that's when I knew I was like, damn, I literally have nothing else to throw this man. And yeah. uh, I think I walked him, and then he think he hit a, I think he hit a ball off the wall. But we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like pitchers like they have a photographic memory of every single bat they've ever thrown. Close. I forget about a lot of them, honestly. Like I'll, I'll throw anything. I'll come back to, like, hey, what was the second pitch to the first guy? Like I have no idea. Like I, I, it's like kind of blacking out a little bit. But the, the ones you know are when people tag you or you punch right. them out like those are the ones i remember yeah wow. for sure uh was there anyone in high school that you faced that was a a, a big hitter coming up in the mlb um trent grisham with the uh padres, the padres. Yep. i played against him you guys are the same agent um yep yep so we, we're, we've been friends um kind of since since i got drafted and then the other one that was was cool in high school was Luke and Baker because he won the Gatorade Player of the Year the year before, and we played them like in round five of the playoffs or something. And I mean, he, dude, he's just humongous. So pitching against him was pretty cool. Like back then, it was like everything. Jesus, round five of the playoffs. Like, what is it, like a nine year? We playoff? have seven rounds. The championship round is what? The round. That's wild. Yeah, and is that just in Texas? I think so because we <laughs> would play up until the semifinal and finals we would play either one or three game series it was a coin flip and then the coaches decided okay that's wild i love how like you know they really stick to the friday night lights of things and just coin flip it all in texas (laughs) (laughs) so wild (laughs) um all right dream rotation five guys uh like if i'm the manager yeah or if i'm pitching you're the manager i'm the manager I'm going to go with Randy Johnson, Clayton Kershaw, um, Nolan Ryan. Hmm. <laughs> I know I'm forgetting about – oh, Jacob DeGrom, easy. And I'm trying to decide to go righty or lefty here. Let's go with CeCe Sabathia. Yeah, I'm Sabathia. Bro. Yeah, that's great. We got a zero six seven lefty, bro. You got to give me a big lefty at the end of that. I was about to say that's. Happy I mean, lefty. I gave you the big unit. Yeah, I know. I look. I six ten. Guns against. No, no. I gun gun to my head. Texas kid, big lefty. I knew you were going. I knew you were going big unit. I knew you were going crush. I wanted. That was like no. Oh, for sure. Have you seen CC live before? Because I saw him live when I was younger, and he was standing next to a policeman in right field at Fenway park. And he literally looked like the policeman's dad. He's <laughs> huge. And have you seen him now? Like he lost like all of his oh, weight. He slimmed down. He's jacked. Yeah. He's jacked. <laughs> Is he ripped? That's hilarious. He's huge. You should go to the WWE. Just a hot take. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was funny. He, he got fat or he was fat and then tried to lose weight and didn't pitch good. Then got fat again. And then was pitching good again. That's wild. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, oh, it's I'm, all uh, mad. I'm waiting on Bartolo and, in 10 years, he's going to be shredded. 
He'll come back. He's going to come back to the league at 67 years old and start, still throw sinkers, cutters, and, and four seams. Eat fists. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> CC is ripped. You just looked him up. I didn't. Re- why did I not realize this? I feel ashamed yeah. that I missed this. He's so jacked. Bro, oh my God. Um, all right. So, what's your uh, guilty pleasure TV show? Guilty pleasure TV show. You know, this is a funny one. I just started watching it. Joe Millionaire. Oh God! I mean, that's that's, <laughs> the, that's the guiltiest one, dude. I, I mean, that's so funny. I I was I was actually in on The Bachelor for uh, up until probably twenty eighteen. The last couple seasons sucked, but this one's good because it's just like, I mean, it's just so trashy that it's funny. Yeah. It's almost I, like like Love Island at this point now. Kid yeah, from my yeah, yeah. kid or, from my town was on it. Embarrassing. Really? Yeah, he's he was a loser on it. Dude, yeah. seems seems like all of your uh, the guys up from your town in your high school are just reality stars. Yeah, American Idol, yeah. Bachelor. American Idol. Yeah, but uh, on Top Chef. So we we know uh, <laughs> we know someone that was on it. Uh, Monica Aximent. was she on it for a while? I never watched. Dude, do you know who that is? On Joe I Millionaire. I don't know who that is. Oh, I, uh, ah, man, I wa- I binge watched all four, so I, I still don't know somebody's <laughs> names. She was the one that was the Olympic fencer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, she went home early. Uh, <laughs> Bummer. Spoiler alert. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what? Uh, um. Wait. What, one. One. Uh, let me just throw one quick hitter in there, Nick. Kyle, what's uh? You're an amateur chef. Is that is that self-proclaimed? Self-proclaimed amateur chef. Okay. what's what's the go-to meal uh so i like 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 ground meat because it's easier to cook and so i i have this i did some ground dude, chicken today <laughs> dude you do you have you have like it's like i guess it's like a meat masher it's like instead of crushing them like spreading it out with the spatula it's like a little star okay and it speeds up the the separation of the ground meat like 10 times Nice. Do it. It's phenomenal. That's the best. It, you get it on Amazon for like six bucks. Best investment you'll ever make. Good to know. Ground I'm meat. In. The emphasis on but, the amateur part of chef. It sounds like. Oh yeah. No, but I mean, I can, <laughs> I, can cook, I can cook some good stuff. It's just most of the time I just eat to eat because okay. I have to. It's not. But like if I need to, if I need to whip up a nice meal, I got that too. That's okay. in the bag. Maybe yeah. life after baseball, starting a restaurant. Kyle Miller's I ground meat. That, I think that. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. <laughs> Everything comes in a bowl, and you have to eat it with a spoon. <laughs> Kyla Moore's ground meat. Uh, uh, what's it? What's your favorite part about Atlanta? Favorite? Uh, I like the history the team has. Um, I mean, especially in that area too. Like, there's not a lot of major league teams, so like, there's so many states. They call it Braves country, but there's so many states that are all Atlanta fans because they were like one of the first teams on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know they every year if there's a couple good pitchers that are hot they compare them to you know glavin maddox and smoltz and yeah you know so it's it's just cool because you can tell that like baseball means a lot to all the people out there all the fans and like the fan base is unbelievable um and like but there are some other places like like the marlins they don't really have a strong baseball fan base you know what i mean so it's cool to play for a city that that really really cares about it yeah their fan base stinks on ice don't sugarcoat it. Not What's good. That? The, the Marlins. Marlins, not not Mar- the Braves. No, no, no. The Braves fan base is epic. Braves, yeah, like, it's awesome. Yeah, it's an unbelievable fan base. Like a lot of the historic franchises have great ones. Marlins. Yeah. I I really think they'll get there though. I think the they'll figure it out. They'll get a couple good guys, and then they'll use the Miami aspect of it to just like boost them up. The problem is, I feel like everybody in Miami is there to party, not go to exactly. Marlins. Exactly. They rather go to a Pitbull concert. 
It's a yeah. 305. Or, or the, like, I think there's, there's all the nightclubs or the beaches. It's like yeah. there's so many other things to do than go watch baseball. Oh, yeah. Don't get yeah. it twisted. Miami is sick. Yeah. No, <laughs> I've never been. I'm, I'm excited to go. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, you got us. Oh, you I, got. I got it. Cool. Uh, hey. We ask all our guests this uh, same question. Um, everyone's gotten it. It could be from you playing. It could be from you watching anything. What's your favorite sports memory ever? It's got to be uh, my major league debut. It was cool because mm-hmm. Ian, Ian was pitching and he had a long first inning. And uh, he's about 30 pitches in in the first. And they were like, hey, like, go get hot. You're not going to have a lot of time. Like, And we're playing the Red Sox. And this is at the early the, the beginning of the year when the Red Sox were, like, the best team. Um, and so I was like, hell yeah, like, let's go. Cause, and that was the first time I'd come out of the pen since – the fall league in like 2018. So I was like, just ripping the ball in the pen. Um, they were like, okay, like you're good. Cause he got out of it. And then I go in, in the fifth, I get to face uh, the three, four, five. So it was JD Martinez, um, Xander Bogarts mm-hmm. and Renfro. Maybe was it Renfro? He's in sixth. I don't know if it, I don't know if it was Renfro or, wasn't I faced Devers? I mean, I faced everyone. I feel like I gave up two runs, but it was still really cool. <laughs> <laughs> faced everyone. Yeah, I mean that's a. T- I mean that that's first of all, it's amazing, and that's a scary lineup to go up against your first time. But like, talk about like memorable. Most yeah, welcome to the bigs, huh, dude? And I knew it. Epic. I I first pitch was a ball. Then this next two, uh, I got JD Martinez to swing and miss twice on two sliders, and I was like, I'm just gonna try and blow a heater by him like i'm gonna see if this works and dude it was the smoothest easiest swing it was like he was hitting batting practice and i threw it was 97 he just turned it right around into left field and i was like like that was my like welcome to the show moment you know i'm like that doesn't work did you say if that was at finway or is that uh in atlanta that was in atlanta so the, okay, cool. there was like a full a full stadium you know, it was just when it got dark too. It was really, it was freaking awesome. Like I couldn't feel my feet. Wow. Wow. I mean like JD's swing is like, it's just like that one handed, like effortless, like almost like he lunges out to get it. It's every time he does it. I don't, don't, I'm always surprised that he puts the ball in the bleachers ever because he just, it seems like he swings in like slow motion and so easy. It's weird. Yeah. It's yeah. It sucks being on the receiving end of it, but <laughs> it's still pretty cool. Josh, before before we let him go, do you want to ask him the question that uh, that you and I argue about all the time? Ooh, well, there's a lot of that doesn't really narrow it down. <laughs> the ba- the baseball one that your dad has no confidence that I can do. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Would love to ask him this. Nick thinks in a hundred tries. Nick's a really good baseball player. Nick's a walk on wide receiver at Texas. Not a bad athlete by any means. Really legit athlete. Nick thinks in a hundred at bats, he's putting the ball in play against a major league pitcher. I say he doesn't have a prayer in play at bats. Not in pitches. play, you just have to put it. Yes, you just have to put it inside. No bunting. Who are no. you facing? Who are you facing? Hundred pitches. Hundred pitches. Sorry, not at bats. Hundred pitches. Hundred pitches. Are they all strikes? I thought you said at bats, but yeah, pitches too. Pitches at bats, whatever. I don't. They can care. throw whatever they want. If at it's hundred at bats, I yeah, he's gonna put the ball in play eventually. Uh, 100 pit- if you face Jacob deGrom for 100 pitches, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> we always say Araldis because Araldis just throws the, the gas, but at the same time, like Araldis isn't as dynamic I would as rather DeGrom. Fa- 
Yeah, that's have you seen a splitter? Not up close and personal. No. <laughs> uh, dude, it's like a knuckleball that it's like 90 miles an hour. It's, yeah. I don't know. And but DeGrom, like you kind of you know he knows where it's going. You know what I mean? He doesn't yes. just fling one to the backstop. Like Earl Chapman will that'll be a more uncomfortable at bat, I feel like. So scary. Like I got I got to I got to hit against DeGrom this past year. Okay. And it was like weirdly comfortable. Not not in a good way, but like his delivery is so smooth and you know he knows exactly where it's going, you know? Mm-hmm. But like the herky jerky like deliveries where there's so many moving parts, those are the ones that are not fun. But his yeah. is like everything flows so smooth, it's just you blink and it's there. Yeah. yeah. It's a grand machine. Literally, he's literally got like a whip on his arm. It, it, it's, it's insane. It's pretty unbelievable. I'm I'm trying to look it's up insane. who who batted for the Sox. Our line, the lineup that day was Marwin Gonzalez, one Verdugo, Martinez. But it was but yeah, it was Martinez, Bogarts, Devers, the five. By the way, got Just, it. Yep. So those three. So to be uh, clear, you depending on who it is, yes. But depending yes. on who it is, also no. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, I'll take you know, that. If you if you face if you face, I don't want to say anybody's average, but you know what I mean. Like if you face a guy that doesn't have Jacob Degrom like stuff. I think you. I think you put him to play. Cool. I mean, well, it, yeah. I, I think you could. Well, because it's because you, you you said he's athletic, correct? Yeah. Yeah. No, he's great. Yeah. Good, great, great athlete. Like on the no, beach. If you take somebody that's just dominates. not a good athlete. Like no Me? chance. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm realistic, bro. Like I know I'm stepping in there. I know I'm getting brushed off the plate. Going back. I'm a dugout guy. I'm not a batter. I'm in the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chewing gum, putting bubble tape around the dip, around the red man. I got my hat. Yeah, exactly. I'm a dugout boy. I, I know that through and through. Nick, I, I appreciate, you know, like your, your, your chutzpah in this. And, and maybe you should have Kyle as your friend instead of me. But I still think that there's, you don't have, <laughs> I still think you don't have a prayer. Uh, but Kyle, man, thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully we'll check back in with you again during the season. Uh, Go kick some ass, dude. Have a blast. Um, I appreciate it. Pleasure having you on, man. And you know what? Hook them horns. You know, we got you for sure. There we go. Uh, (laughs) I love it. Got you later, brother. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.